0: All right, while well, the guys pass out some uh, paper to you, just to kind of just make you think of a couple things. And every time I hear that song, Stronger, I don't know if this is what Josh was thinking about when he picked it, was um, I always sing it in Spanish, Porteroso, Porteroso? Um And I can't sing any of the rest of it, but I just kind of like sing it all out with sitting next to Celeste or Rudy while they sing it in the real Spanish. Um, but man, that song's Stronger, right? No other name but Jesus, just praising Him and singing it out. There's nothing like singing it with a bunch of Hondurans, with, you know, speakers that don't work right, and things that are broken, and you just still scream it out. You got one light bulb in the middle of the room as your light, So, um, good stuff right there. Now, last week, we talked about... Um, Noah and the flood, right? We talked about the flood that destroyed the entire earth. And, and we finished up with this rainbow God gave us to show that he would never um, judge the world with water once again. And so he told the people um, to scatter, multiply, fill the earth once again, because we went from a bunch of people to like eight people. And all of a sudden we had this like tunnel vision of God's Um, population, and then all of a sudden we began to fill the earth um, once again. And so um, we're picking up in Genesis chapter 11, but we are going to dive back into some of chapter 10. Um, Because many times, how many of y'all have tried to read through the Bible before? Anybody out there tried to read through the Bible before? How many of y'all had a hard time with what they call the genealogies, where there's all these people's names and they just start saying these names and you can't say any of them, and so you just like make up funny names for them and just try your best, but they don't really mean anything to you. And we're going to look at a couple of those because we're going to see some interesting names in there today. Now, we're going to start in verse 1 in Genesis chapter 11. This is about the Tower of Babel, or Babel, as we say it today. If you listen to people, um, they talk in their net, Babel, all right, they say it all kinds of different ways. I'm going to say Babel because, you know, I'm from Texas and that's what we say. Um, But the word Babel means what? Anybody know what it means? So, talk in gibberish, kinda, right? Huh? Talk incessantly, it's a big word, but no. It means confusion. Babel means confusion. Now, we use it in terms that you're talking about, confusing language, right? But we're gonna find out that the word Babel came from this story in the Bible. So, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. There, And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops to the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed all over the face of the earth. And so, here I want to point out a couple of things that you might just miss when you're reading through there, okay? First, now the whole earth had one language and the same word. So, everyone in the world was not speaking English. I know that we think of Jesus as like this white guy with blonde hair speaking English, right? He was Middle Eastern, brown skinned, speaking Aramaic or some early primitive form of that language. But the whole world had one common language. And as people migrated from the east. Now, I'm going to pause here. When you think about Noah's Ark, you think about a landing on what mountain? Does anybody know? Mount Ararat, okay? And most people identify Mount Ararat today in modern-day Turkey, which if you think about Babel, Babylon, and the whole the thing that we're getting to in a second with the, the town city of Babel, um, we know that, well, the ark would be north West of that. And yet, what does it say here? As the people migrated from the east, right? A lot of people believe, um, as they study the scripture, that maybe the ark is further east than people think it is, even though there's tons of expeditions that go up into Mount Ararat and think they found this and try to find this. Um, When you look at the Bible, it says they migrated from the east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Now, the land of Shinar, nobody really knows a whole lot about. They just know that the basic words for Shinar means two rivers. So somewhere where two rivers met together, the people decided to settle together. Now remember, God's command to them after the ark was to disperse over all the earth and to multiply and fill the earth when it's again. But what do we find in this story? We find them getting together. Come, let us our build ourselves a city. So they begin to gather together in one place, in one language. You need to understand that this is not just, oh, some people wanted to hang out. This is people rebelling, choosing to not do what God wants them to do, and choosing to do what they want to do. They want to live together as a family, as a group of people. They want to settle together in one place. And it says they want to build a tower with its top in the heavens. So when you imagine this tower, you're imagining this humongous tower. Now, this tower is most likely called a ziggurat, right? It was a square base, um, skyscraper kind of thing. Most people believe it was about seven levels tall, uh, made of Bricks and mortar and things of that nature. Now, most people do not believe, scholarly people smarter than me, don't believe that they were trying to make a tower tall enough to survive another flood. They believe they were making a tower with on top of it a temple to where they could worship, quote-unquote, their God, which wasn't the Most High God, right? Right? And so, lest we disperse over the face of the whole earth. Here's one of the warnings. Because many times when we read the Old Testament, um, we hear these stories. We hear about the Tower of Babel and Babel and all these different things. And we just kind of get caught up in one or two things. But I want to make it really practical to you and where you're living today. Here's what I want to warn you about. Be careful who you let lead you. Be careful who your companions are that are leading you towards a city and towards a tower and towards a worship. Who is leading you? For example, I'm leading you. I'm up here talking to you and you're kind of forced to listen to what I say because I have a face mic and I can talk really loud and things of that nature, right? But you should hold me to a higher standard than you hold other people because I am trying to lead you. Your small group leaders that are here, they're attempting to lead you. you. They should be worthy of your leadership. And so we aspire as leaders to be the kind of people that lead you towards the Lord. But you have other people trying to lead you. You have teachers in classrooms trying to lead you. You have news media trying to lead you. You have other people in our world trying to tell you who you are and what you're about and what God is to you. So you need to be careful. It, are the people leading you towards obeying the commands of God or are they leading you away from those things? For let me give you a practical example. Let's say that you're hanging out with your friends on a Friday night and their decision is they want to go to another friend's house. You have to make a decision. What is this other friend's house going to be like? Now, most of you know when your friends say, Hey, I want to go over to so and so's house, you know what sort of things are going to happen at that house. You know the choice that you're making. Most of you don't just show up at what you thought was a Scrabble game night, and all of a sudden there's alcohol and marijuana there. Most of you know, hey, if I go to this friend's house, this is the type of things that are going to happen there. And you have to make a choice who are you going to choose to surround yourself with? I remember when I was in high school, had a really great friend. Her name was Amy Hannah. And so we hung out all the time. And I remember she said, I just, I want to go to a party. We don't ever go to parties. It was just like a group of four of us. We'd hang out and go to movies and just, you know, watch silly movies like Better Off Dead and just stuff like that. Just do dumb, you know, things and just for fun. We had a good time. She's like, I want to go to a party. I'm like, Okay, I'll take you. And so we went to this party, and we knew there was going to be alcohol. We knew all the different things that were going to be there. And we lasted like 10 or 15 minutes until like one of their, our friends threw up right at our feet. And then one of the other friends were doing this stuff and screaming and going to get in a fight. And she was just finally like, I don't want to be here anymore. Okay, let's go meet up with everybody else and go watch a movie, right? And so we, we, she wanted to experience that, but yet she had someone to go with to be able to hold her accountable To not do the things that she needed to do, and found out that, you know what, all of the things that we build those things up to be are empty. And we find out this tower that they build is empty. And we find out that there's a God greater than the God of this particular city. And the God of this world is somebody named Nimrod. Have you heard the word Nimrod before? Not a good term, right? Not something like you're like calling someone, hey, you're a Nimrod. That's bad, right? That's like near cussing at some point. Well, where did that come from? Well, that came from this story. If you look back in Genesis chapter 10, I gave you a little bit of the story of Nimrod, right? The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. Now, before we go too far, let me point out a couple things, right? Cush settled in a land. Egypt, you've heard of them before, right? Right? They've settled in the land, right? Um, Put is Ethiopia, settled in the land. And Canaan, the promised land, right? And you see these people groups begin to form and begin to settle in the land, and that begin, becomes a land of people. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havla, don't, don't pronounce these names like me because they're probably not right. I'm just doing the best I can. Um, Sabbat, Rama, and Sabtik. The sons of Rama, Sheba, and Dedan, and Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was the first on earth to gather a following of people. Why? He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. So they had a saying about Nimrod. Back in the day, and they would say, man, you're a great hunter, like Nimrod was a great hunter. And they use it as a descriptive term of this man who was hunting animals and providing for the people around him. Most likely, he was providing the food, and people began to gather towards him. He was seen as this mighty warrior, this great man that people wanted to follow. He became the first king. Of the people. The problem with a king that we find out later in the Bible is when you have a king, you're replacing God as having an authority over your life. And if your hope is in a president, we have the presidential election. If your hope is in a president, your hope is in a sinner. If your hope is in me, your hope is in a sinner. You only have one hope, and that deserves to go towards Jesus, the one true God. So we have, we have one hope. These people begin to put their hope in Nimrod. He began to build a kingdom around him. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Eric, Akkad, um, Kalanah in the land of Shinar. From that land, he went into Assyria and he built this, you know, city called Nineveh. Some of y'all have heard of that before. Some guy named Jonah was a prophet. Ooh, ooh. Um, Rehoboth. And a lot of other names. Okay, He became like the king over all of this area. And he built these great cities that turned out to be great cities of sin. Great cities of destruction. Great cities of, um, eventually, repentance with Nineveh. But we see this story of Nimrod. And people begin to, to study him. And begin to watch him. And begin to worship him. Began to put him in a, as the provider for them instead of the Lord God. Look down at verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. I just love the way God says this, like, oh, kids, nice little structure, right? He comes down, looks at their little Lego structure. Yeah, you used some blocks. That was great. That was awesome. You know, just looking at it, thinking they're so cute. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. You can can have a really bad amen for that one. That's only the beginning of the atrocities we as mankind are going to do. Think about the things that we as mankind have done to one another over history. More people have died in the 19th or the 20th century than all other centuries combined. You have people like Stalin killing millions of people. In Russia, you have China, this massacre of people. We have Hitler massacring of people. We are not good people when we chase after our own ideas and our own dreams. He right, says, and nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. Let us, the Trinity, let us go down and there confuse their language so they may not re- understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over all the face of the earth and they left off building the city. So can you imagine what's going on? You know, they're building this tower and they're building the city. Hey, give me another brick, right? And and all of a sudden it's like, they can't understand each other. All of a sudden God says, I'm going to begin to confuse their languages. Therefore it is called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth And from there, the Lord dispersed them over all the face of the earth. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Why did God confuse their language? Because they were disobedient to him. They chose to disobey and rebel against the things of God. And so God came down and he forced them into obedience. He said, I know I told you to disperse over the earth. I gave you an opportunity to obey me. You chose not to. Now I'm going to make you obey me. And he separated them into people groups, and he dispersed them. Now, I don't know what the word disperse means, whether he told them where to go, whether he just actually transplanted them in different areas of the world. I don't believe that there was, like, a continental shift, right, the continental drift. I don't believe that that happened really gradually. I believe the flood just, like, took one landmass and ripped it into pieces, I don't know how the people in Africa got there or the ones in um, Australia got there, but maybe God just transplanted them here at the Tower of Babel and put different people groups in different areas based upon their language. Now, question, okay? Um, Do you think the Lord ever makes you obey him? Do you think there's ever a point where your disobedience to the Lord leads you one direction and the Lord just says now, I'm just not going to let you do that to your life and brings you back. Like for me in high school, right, it was it was football for me, and it was my dream, it was my passion, and, and you know, I had these dreams of going to college, and then I broke my foot, and all of a sudden, my dreams took second stage to what I, where I needed to be, right? I, I don't have bitterness there to the Lord. I praise the Lord for the bitterness of breaking my ankle, having screws still in there for now, what is it, 30 years I've had, three metal screws holding my ankle together. I have not sprained this ankle in 30 years because it's held together with metal. Metal doesn't sprain, okay? And so I don't go like, God, why'd you do that to me? I could have played football. No, it's like, well, praise the Lord. that He put me where he wanted me to be, to do the things that he wanted me to do, And so many times we're short-sighted in that, but many times the Lord takes us back to where we need to be so I'm going to give you a couple of just observations. If you flip it over, i want to give you a couple observations just about this story about the Tower of Babel and, and what it kind of impacts us. Okay, Here's the first thing. Um, the Tower of Babel points to one race of people, the human race of people, and that we are all one blood, that we are all of the same relation, whether you're black, white, red, yellow, whatever color you might be. Now you are, we are one race of people. Now, now, why did I pick those colors? Because we have pigment in our skin that is different, but we have black to brown to red to yellow pigment in our skin that makes us so diverse, and, and we should celebrate that diversity. We should not let racism be any part of the Christian faith. You know where racism finds its basis? In evolution, We've been talking about, you know, God's creation versus evolution. Evolution says, man, some people haven't evolved yet. There's a scientist in 1997 who rated humankind by skin color based on the least evolved to the most evolved. By the way, we're not the most evolved. Asians are the most evolved. Go Paul Ebel, right? Most evolved of all of us, apparently. How, How dumb is that? How racist is that? You understand why racism is taking such root? Because so many people have believed a lie instead of believing the truth that we all come from one blood. Look what it says in Acts 17. And he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God is in more control than you think he is. God is more in control of the world than you want him to be. If we could recognize that, we could give over our fight for control and enjoy the ride that we get to go along with the Lord. He has made from one blood every nation of people. Yeah, how is that possible? Man, I have friends that are super dark, and they have other people that they're like white as a sheet. How is it possible that we all came from one blood. Well, I gave you a little chart over here on the right side, just simple genetics, all right? Many of you may not study this, and most people don't teach you a lot about this with skin color, right? Um, you know how genetics work. You got capital as a dominant trait, right? Lowercase letter is the, the dominant trait. Skin color is broken up into three categories. They use A, B, and C for those. And most likely, if you think of middle brown as being Adam and Eve, out of that, you can have all combinations of people. Um, I didn't bring the picture today, but um, I was researching today, and I found um, there's a couple, um, a biracial couple, um, and they, have, they had twins. And one twin was 100% black, and one was 100% white. One looked like they were from England, and one looked like they were from Africa, and they were identical twins except for their skin color. Wow, how could that happen? There's no way that could happen. That's not true. That's like a made-up Photoshop something story. No, go out and look. You can find hundreds of twins from biracial relationships to where their babies come out, and one turns out really dark, and one's lighter-skinned, one's middle-skinned. This the beauty of skin color. If we can understand that God has given us that as a gift— and that we could celebrate those things instead of judge one another based on those things, our world would be a better place. What's one of the major arguments of this entire election cycle? Bigotry, racism, racism among policemen. How do we get rid of that? We see the world through God's eyes, that we are a wonderful creation created by God. If we could see that, From the scriptures, we would have a reason to love all different people. Here's another thing that I think is interesting. Um, I gave you another chart which you cannot see unless you just have like eagle vision. Right? It's really small. I thought it looked bigger on my computer screen, but my computer screen is ginormous. So I'm, I apologize for that. What's on the left are different aspects of the flood stories, and what's on top are different um, civilizations around the world that have that flood story. So like um, Mesopotamia and stuff like that, um, China, different things. Most every culture in the world has some sort of flood story, And it gave you the similarities between those different stories. Some of them talk about animals on a boat. Some of them talk about a flood that covers the world and then mankind is saved. Some of them have differences in their stories, but almost every culture has a flood story. See, the echoes of the flood, the echoes of the tower, are all evidence that something happened. This isn't just a myth. The Bible is not just a fairy tale book that just tells you some fun things. It's God's word and its truth. Here, here's an example. So I gave you some Chinese writing. If you know anything about Chinese writing, they do everything like pictograph, right? So everything is kind of like a miniature picture of a certain thing. And so on the left you'll see the, the pictograph for tower in the Chinese language, right? And do you see what the different symbols mean in the pictograph? The first one is dust or or they some people say mud. The next one is grass. What's mud and grass make? Bricks. People one mouth. What does that mean? People with one language. With bricks. What could that reference? Oh, maybe the Tower of Babel, right? Isn't it interesting that even cultures around the world have symbolism in their history and in their writings that point back to the truth of the gospel because it really happened. And those people really remembered the story and they began to pass down generation after generation the story. All right, look at this last sentence. I want you to jump to that one. Disobedience to God's ways invites him to personally correct and encourage you to obedience. Um, how many of you liked to be disciplined by your parents? Anybody out there? All right, let me ask you this question. Um, I want you to think about. It. Don't raise your hand. Think about it. how many of your parents gave you licks, like spank. Right? When I was in school, like no one, there, there, timeout was like game, sport game. There's no timeout, right? Like timeout. And I hear Matt Chandler tell it this way. He said, "Yeah, timeout was when my dad knocked me out." <laughs> that was time out, okay? It wasn't that violent, right? But, but I remember um, that sound, uh, maybe the adults in this room, of the belt, like, coming out of the different, like, there was just, like, this sound that you knew was going to go bad. Because dad pulled the belt out quicker than it should come out, and you could hear the, psh, 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 and it, they folded over, and then it was, it was bad, right? You, you did not want the belt to come out. Or the switch to come out or, or all these different things. Like There was just a, a point where like, I do not want that to happen. So there were times where I'm driving my car and I'm looking at my car. I'm going to stop by and get it say, so, wait, my curfew is 12. It's 11.50. I'm going home because, right? Because I, I knew that when I was in school and I was like, man, I'm going to slack off. And then I was like, oh, no. If that teacher calls my parent, right? I just knew. Like there was a fear of my dad in me. And yet for some reason, we don't have the fear of God. Have you ever thought about that? We don't have the fear of God. We don't have that fear. We think that God is just, you know, Santa. And he's going to give us what we want as long as we pray. If we just say, God, I really need, you know, an A on this test. Did you study? No, I just, I need a miracle, right? Um, Yeah, that's how we pray a lot, right? I used to have a sign in my room, like, as long as there's tests, there will be prayer in school. And it's true. People pray when they're in trouble. They don't normally talk to God as their companion, right? But yet we don't have a fear of God. And let me just encourage you with this. If you're disobedient to the Lord, there's a point where he's going to come in and correct you. You probably don't really want that point. You probably want to work it on your own. Work it out on your own with fear and trembling, working out your salvation, you know? Here's an example. So um, you know the election stuff. Many of you went to school today, and almost every class in school today was talking about the election. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, all of the different things that went along with it, right? And, and I was reading Facebook, which was dumb, okay? I'm just telling you right now, don't go there. It's just, it's a brutal place. But I did see this tweet No, that's not, that's the wrong place. That's Twitter, all right? Um, I saw this Facebook post by Joshua Hiker, right? Because I was praying for you today, last refuge playing in the band. Not ever, you're gonna come back. But it said, and he wrote this quote by Aristotle, which I thought was really interesting on there. It said, it is a mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. Now listen to that again. It It is a sign of your education that you are smart. If you can entertain a thought and not just take it as what it is. For you to be able to reason in your mind, that's truth or that's not truth, that's, that shows that you're smart. You know what shows that you're dumb? Hearing something and just taking it for what it's worth. Instead of investigating it, putting it against the word of God, putting it against the things that are going on. I'm not, and this is just... I'm going to go on a tiny rant, not a very big rant. I'm not a fan of safe spaces, okay? Because to be honest with you, that's just not the real world, okay? It's just not the real world. When I was coaching football, right, there was not safe spaces. When I coached football, I got cussed out by the head coach, by the assistant coaches. When I didn't do something I was supposed to do and it cost us a game, I got ripped for it. I didn't crawl into the fetal position and start crying. I just said, yes, sir. And I corrected it, and I got better because of it. You just have to learn. Listen to people's opinions. If you don't agree with them, pray about whether to tell them you don't agree or not. It's okay to listen to opinions. It's okay to hear the different things. It's okay for you to have an opinion as a Christian, it's okay for you. Many of you today, you stuck your headphones in, you tuned out. You bent it. When Amariah came in today, Amariah was in a mood, I'm just going to tell you right now. Amariah was stomping feet because she had been waiting all day to tell someone about what she felt, right? Is that correct? Because all day long, she had heard this one side of the story, and she just didn't want to stir it up. But, man, she was in there, and she was pumped. Like, she was pumping the feet. And, oh, and oh was whoo. It's like everything had been bent up for so long. It's okay for you as a Christian to have an opinion. I encourage you to have your opinion based on the word of God, because that is truth. And at the end of the day, truth will always prevail. We've had bad leaders before. We're going to be okay. And if we're not okay, we get to see Jesus, right? I mean, it. It ends up okay for us. If you have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it ends up okay. That's why I encourage you. If you don't have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, figure that out, okay? Quick, because you never know what's going to happen in our world today. But, man, here's what I encourage Listen to people's opinions. Have an opinion. Give a gentle and reasonable response. The people you're talking to may not be gentle and reasonable, and that's Okay? Because who you are isn't wrapped up in what they say about you. Who you are is wrapped up in Jesus Christ and what he says about you. Okay? So it's okay to have an opinion. But I encourage you, have your opinion based in obedience to what God asks you to do. At the Tower of Babel, Babel, they disobeyed, and God made them obey. I encourage you, just choose to obey. Right? If you love me, you obey my commands. That's what Christ says. Show your love for Christ by being obedient to him. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day, thank you for the opportunity we have to to talk about you, Lord, in the Old Testament, and the way that, Lord, you um, encouraged people, Lord, strongly to fulfill what you had asked them to do, to disperse all over the earth, Lord, and you did that through the Tower of Babel, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we are one race. I thank you, Lord, that skin color doesn't determine who we are, Lord, that we are yours, You created us, you have made us, you have beautifully woven us together, Lord, and I thank you for that. Help us, Lord, as a Christian people, Lord, not to just be doormats to the world, but to be an encouragement, Lord, to think on what is noble and what is pure and what is holy, Lord, to let our speech be a representation, Lord, of who you are. Help us not to get so caught up in the drama of the day that we live in. Um, in the headlines, in the Facebook posts, in the tweets, in the comments, Lord. Help us to be fully trusting in you. Lord, help us to be gentle as we talk to others. Help us be understanding, Lord, but not falter in our belief and trust in you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that as we go to small group that you'll encourage us through these relationships and you'll help us, Lord, to dive deeper into what you think about this. In your name we pray, Amen. All right, don't forget to sign up for the movie if you haven't signed up for it. Remember to hug a veteran at some point this week and we're going to small group time.